As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Folks, sports are back, and you can save 40%. Get all access to the Athletics' exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. i got to tell you, stepping back into the rink again last week for Training Camp 2.0, it felt different, but it felt really, really good. Sports can do that. It can transport us. It can take us away from the difficulties of everyday life. It felt for a brief time like things were back to normal again. Don't miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up and see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash front and nationwide, that's A-N-D nationwide, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. That's 40% off. Sports are back and you don't want to miss the breaking news about your favorite teams. Go to theathletic.com slash front and nationwide for 40% off an annual subscription. We'll hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletic Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Friday here in Columbus. Boy, the hockey games are just around the corner at this point. We have a special guest for you this week again, Mike Zeisberger, NHL insider for NHL.com. He's one of the, I don't think I ever state things here in saying a, a legend on the tour. One of those guys you always look forward to seeing on the road. Zeiss, how are you, my man? I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Aaron. Uh, I just want to know, uh, when does the special guest come on? I want to listen to him, too. <laughs> well, Allison's on vacation this week. Um, okay. So our most special person is, is away, but I think we can make do or try to. Um, I'm watching training camp, and I'm, 
I'm, uh, you go through that process every year, Z, where you're like, that didn't look good, but it is training camp. Boy, that still doesn't look necessarily good, uh, but it is training camp. You're trying to figure out how seriously you should take this stuff. John Tortorella is not happy right now with his charges, especially two or three guys uh, that are key players. Uh, the people listening to this probably know all this and more. What do the Leafs look like? What's your evaluation of the Leafs at this point? Well, I, you know, Bordy, I've been pretty impressed by what I've seen with the Leafs, but then the most sarcastic of Maple Leaf fans will tell you that uh, many a virtual Stanley Cup has been won in Toronto in training camp, but the real one has not been presented since 1967, as we all know in these parts. But no, and there's a couple reasons for it, Bordy. First of all, uh, when this whole thing started and you know, the seeds were first planted that, uh, you know, in this awful pandemic. And I just want to start out by saying I'm glad to hear that you and your family uh, are safe and healthy. I want to say that to all the listeners uh, out there because this certainly, um, this pandemic is certainly something that, uh, you know, is the most chaotic, wildest thing that I've ever experienced in my lifetime. And, uh, uh, it's just incredible, you know. Uh, you just wish everybody the best of health, you know. But, but getting back to your point, um, you know, one of the things when when the seeds were first planted that the NHL might return, um, the Leafs were very very proactive in reaching out to their players and saying, you know what, um, at some point they're going to phase two is going to start. There's going to be voluntary workouts. We want as many of you back here as possible. And, of course, with uh, the Canadian laws right now, um, you know, the guys that were were coming in at that time uh, for Phase 2 from the U.S. or anywhere else had to quarantine for 14 days. Um, So, uh, you know, they were lucky in the fact that they stressed that. And they were also lucky that, I mean, come on, there's so many guys, uh, NHL players, uh, that live in southern Ontario, that yep. they had a lot of guys that were here anyway. So I, I would estimate that um, if the Leafs didn't have the most players that were, were involved in Phase 2, uh, certainly they would have been one of the two or three top teams. And that way, their training camp probably got a little bit of a head start than most other teams. Um, gotcha. So that's, that's one of the reasons. And the other one is uh, I've been really impressed by some of the – thinking outside the box measures that, that Sheldon Keefe, uh, the Maple Leafs coach has implemented. Um, this, I, I'm trying to think, I think the first day of camp, uh, they had a scrimmage and Sheldon only had two lines per, per team. And the reason he said was that he wanted to tire them all out. He wanted them exhausted. So they only had two lines per side because he said, that's the way you're going to work them up to get into you know, work up their strength, work up their endurance. And then the next day they had an entire scrimmage that was for the whole time a five-on-four, power play versus penalty kill wow. for 20 wow. consecutive minutes. And so that's why I think, you know, I, I look at it, and you won't know until the puck is dropped. But for those two reasons, number one, um, you know, the thinking outside the box that I just mentioned um, in terms of the tactics. But number two, um you know, the fact that a lot of these guys were in early and they, they, you know, they don't look at it like a lot of the sarcastic people out there, uh, no right. names, uh, will be de- 
divulge, but we'll say, <laughs> well, even if the Maple Leafs were to win the Cup, uh, there'd be an asterisk there. Right. They don't care. They yeah. see this as an opportunity. And, you know, so far, and like I said, it's only training camp, but I've been impressed by what I've seen. Well, and that's been the tenor here. I've been really impressed with the pace of the practices, especially the first week. I think everybody was really excited. One thing I've noticed, I'm sure you've seen it too, because these guys are uh, would be it'd be the same feeling there. The players are people too, so they've been caught up in this COVID um, crisis and just the daily fretting about it. When they got on the ice. It felt to them like the whole world melted away. If only for that time they were on the ice, and the joy was apparent. You could not, you could not miss the excitement getting back. And I sense that really throughout that when they're on the ice, it feels normal to them, and it's it's almost a a relief uh, to them. The only thing that's gone on here is I think the last couple of days this team is so snake bitten by injuries. I think there are a couple players that are sort of taking it easy, uh, just hoping to get to the bubble safe. And that's not what John Tortorella wants. He wants the, the pedal to the floor. Um, so that, that's that's something that we'll be keeping an eye on here. I'm hearing a ton of talk about Freddie Anderson. Is that just because Freddie's the goalie and we need something to worry about in Toronto or are there legitimate concerns there, Zeiss, you know, are you reading into anything goaltender-wise in this in this camp? No, not at all, and I'll tell you why. So, what they have done is split during their scrimmages. Aside, aside from those first two that I mentioned, the, the ones with two lines per team and the one that uh, they had uh, power play versus penalty kill, um, they split up into two teams: Team Tavares against uh, Team Anderson. No, sorry, Team Matthews against Team Anderson. Well, okay. Team Matthews yeah. is stacked, okay? Yeah. They have, yeah. not only do they have the Austin Matthews line, but they have the John Tavares line. So you arguably have the Maple Leafs' top six forwards on the same team going against Freddie Anderson. The logic being is that the, third, the Leafs' third and fourth lines, by going against these top two lines, are going to have to – this is how they practice their checking, okay? Um, and they're going to get better um, by playing against the quality opponents that they, they are facing. And let's face it, that is the strength of the Maple Leafs, is, yep. um, you know, their top six forwards. So, of course, of course, Freddie Anderson's going to, uh, uh, you know, look bad on some of these uh, shots because – Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews do that to any goalie that they face. But pretty good um, Yeah, and and you, you know, I mean, this is a time for goalies to kind of shed the rust and and that. So, um, you know, I'm not that worried. I think that uh, you know, I, this isn't my first rodeo in these parts, so I see how people can overreact during uh, uh, training camp, and yeah. so you know. Um, Let's see when the bullets fly for real. Uh, maybe, I'm sorry that I shouldn't really, I don't think we should really use those analogies anymore. So I apologize for that. Let's, let's see what happens when the pucks are fired, fired for real. There you go. Um, what goes on there. And let's not forget, I mean, they actually have a competent backup goalie in, in Jack Campbell. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, who, you know, Maple Leafs have been looking for one of these guys since, uh, 
you know, I don't know. Well, I, I'm starting to think well before Columbus was in the league, and that's an exaggeration, but maybe not too much of one. But you know, let's let's see what happens when the when the games start for real. So, no, I'm not worried about Freddie Anderson. And if anything, I mean, he self quarantined for a lot of um, you know the first two months in Arizona at the house of Austin Matthews. And I mean, uh, if you're not primed after you uh, face a few of Austin Matthews shots during quarantine. I mean, uh, you should be fine. Yeah, right, right. We're talking to the great Mike Weisberger, NHL insider for NHL.com. Um, I have to ask, what is the perception of the Blue Jackets, and, and has it changed since last spring when they took out Tampa in the first round? How does the greater Toronto area see the Columbus Blue Jackets? John Tortorella. Uh, this this whole crew and 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 what what kind of team they're bringing up there to play the Leafs? Well, if your definition of change is Clark Kent bespectacled going into a phone booth and turning into Superman, then yes, because yeah. I mean, you know, up until that that Tampa Bay upset, um, I'm not sure how many people really really took them serious. But right. not only the way that they beat Tampa. Or, or not only the fact that they beat Tampa, but in the way that they did it to sweep Tampa, to have such a skilled team, you know, um, on their back, you know, pedaling backwards and 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 just taking it to them and being relentless. Um, there, that that is what it has done. It has spread a lot of angst through through a fan base that has watched these Maple Leafs lose two consecutive Game Sevens to the Boston Bruins. It's created an angst in the fan base that has not seen this franchise win a playoff series since before the impl- uh, implementation of the salary cap. Um, you know, so I think when, you know, you look on paper and, and people get excited, but there is angst because, and, and I think that it'll be fascinating to see what that's doing uh, in the dressing room of the Maple Leafs too, because, uh, you know, um, after watching what they did to Tampa and Tampa was my pick for the Stanley cup uh, last year. uh, I just think they're so talented. Um, I will say that I think that the injury to Victor Hedman, uh, that was not the Victor Hedman we we know. And with no, No. with apologies to Kucherov and Stamkos, um, I think Hedman is the, is, you know, aside from Vasilevsky, the player that Tampa can least afford to lose. But that being said, the way that they slowed down Tampa and the fact that that's the way that the Maple Leafs kind of play the same similar style has got to sound off alarm bells because, you know, Columbus has shown um, they can can smother uh, a team that plays that way. And and that, you know, we'll see what how the Leafs react to that. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, uh, they are quite aware from it uh, of it, and it does have the fan base a little bit scared. Yeah. Torts versus Bob Babcock would have been really interesting to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there yeah. Was- you, know, you know what? I mean, I mean, can you imagine the stares oh. between <laughs> each other? I mean, you know. We work in an industry of words, you and I, my friend, and, uh, you know, as you are obviously one of the best in the biz, but when they say that a picture is worth a, worth a thousand words, um, yeah. you know, 
even the two of us couldn't couldn't describe the pros of a one photo of those two guys scowling at each other. Right. right. Did you ever get used to Babcock as you're phrasing and forming your question? Because I never did. I always I I started to, I would ask the question. I'd stare him in the face as long as I could. But those freaking eagle eyes bearing down on you like you're prey. <laughs> you're like whoa, like. A torch gives you the face like, what in the, where the hell are you going with this? But that Babcock stare was something. Did you ever get used to it? Uh, I, I kind of knew Mike from his Detroit day, days, so it didn't yeah. really rattle me. It probably rattled uh, some of the players more than it did uh, than it did me. But, uh, you know, I've gone through the gamut of coaches. I, I saw Pat Quinn, who, you know, um, may he yeah. rest in peace, uh, we actually became pretty close uh, after a while, but it, like in the beginning, this was a man that didn't even have to say a word. And when he walked into a room, yes. just his enormous presence uh, yes. intimidated people. And then, you know, Paul Maurice, the motorcycle riding, Led Zeppelin loving Paul Maurice, and then Ron Wilson, who could be. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, I think, you know what, that's the best description. Oh. Um, oh, give me at that. So, <laughs> and then, hey, I I got along with Randy Carlyle, which a lot of people yeah. didn't. So, uh, you Love know, it, it's, it's kind of horses for courses. But uh, yeah, I, I never Babs never really uh, intimidated me. But it was kind of a, you know, sometimes you just stand back and look at the how how some of the some of the other uh, members of our fraternity kind of look at them and just shake their heads. And uh, right. it was kind of good theater on some nights. Yeah. What changed when Keith took over? It felt it was, it was a, such an amazing time because the moment Babcock was out, it was like, whoa, there was, there was, uh, I, you could hear ding dong, the witch's dead playing in the, in the dressing room. Almost, it seemed like a lift there that I did not. I guess I didn't realize how many fell, but it seemed like there was a, a just a real lifting of a, a breath of fresh air blown into that room. And it, is that still with them? Is this guy the original thinker? You could say go good cop, bad cop all the time. The Blue Jackets next coach is going to be a nice guy, a motivator of young guys. You know the drill. What's Keith like? What did he change? What's a noticeable difference that difference that you that you've seen? Well, there's a number of layers to that, and, and uh, I'll try to go over these quickly. Uh, number one, um, I'm, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I at least I want to say half the guys, uh, at least forty percent of the team, and maybe half of the team actually played for Sheldon Keith and uh during Marley. his reign as the coach of the Toronto Marlies. Yep. Some of them won a, a, a Calder Cup under him. So they know what he's like, they know what to expect, they know that they've won under him. Um number two, he's not the same hard ass as, as Mike Babcock is. Babs is obviously old school. Um, you know, and the, with the new generation of players, um sometimes, you know, that doesn't that the old school stuff kind of wears out pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think it would have been different if they would have won one of those two uh, game sevens. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, but they didn't. Uh, and, and I think that that kind of like, oh, are we ever going to get over the hump? 
And so I think that was an issue. Now, the other thing is when Sheldon came in, he kind of took the reins off. He's not trying to tell Tyson Berry, go and be the best defensive defenseman in the league because you're not going to get that. He took the reins off Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry scores um, in his first, uh, in his, you know, uh, Tyson Berry scored in the first period that Sheldon Keith was the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course he did. He had gone 23 yeah. games under Mike Babcock without scoring. So Sheldon was emphasizing, look, you guys are talented offensively. Do what you do best. Now, here's what the ironic thing about that. They played with more freedom and stuff like that, and yet they come to camp now, and the first thing Sheldon says is, you know what? We need to be better on defense because our defense was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, I, I, I chuckle a little bit about that because, you know, it's almost come full circle. But um, yeah. I think they like Sheldon thinks outside of the box, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, as we discussed, uh, sometimes at practice uh, before the pandemic, they would have a music blasting uh, as the guys were uh, taking their warm-ups. So but let me tell you this. I mean, as, you know, Sheldon can be a hard you-know-what as well. Um, he's not afraid to bench guys. He's not afraid to change lines. So there is that semblance of that in him. But I just think that uh, guys feel more comfortable and, and the fact that Sheldon tries to emphasize their strengths as opposed to molding them into whatever system needs to be played. Support for Front and Nationwide is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada So for those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Yes, the world's best below-the-belt trimmer is now available north of the border. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Ouch. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery now lasts 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. If you're listening to Front and Nationwide, I want you to experience this Firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right, the boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week, and while we may not be able to join them at the park, there is plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grab this week with your first deposit. 
That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, these Blue Jackets are the youngest team still playing, youngest of the 24 teams. They'll probably have four rookies among their forwards, so uh, almost every line gets a rookie if there's not two on one of them. And yet, they had an experience last spring that I think gives many of them swagger that they that they have been looking for for a long time in this franchise. They know what it takes to win a series now. They know what it feels like. They know it's within them that they can do it. This Leafs team is still really young and fairly inexperienced in terms of playoff success. And I'm wondering how much that weighs into it and how much – how fragile is the psyche of this group, given that that's become starting to become a narrative a bit here that they that they haven't won a a playoff round in quite a while now? How much is that weighing into the psyche, not just for fans but especially the players? I gotta think it does. I mean, they they say it doesn't. I think they have. You know, uh, when Sheldon took over, I think that there was a reboot with them. And in that circumstance, uh, they look at it as this is a fresh start, and, and, and in many ways it is. I think that they understand better what it takes to win. Um, but I think, you know, there is this, this kind of pressure of trying to get over the hump. Now, there's no shame in losing to the Boston Bruins the last couple of years. I mean, this no. is a team that's uh, – went to the final last year and and i mean you know as good as you can say austin matthews is um you know uh patrice bergeron um is is arguably uh you know uh you know fans of jonathan taves or a few other players might might argue with me but um you know to me patrice bergeron among other things is the best defensive center that we've seen in our generation and you know, um, it's been a learning curve for Austin Matthews going up against him. But still, they had chances, okay? Two years ago, going into the third period of Game 7 against Boston, they had the lead. They didn't get a shot for the first eight minutes of the third period, and by that time, the Bruins had put up two or three goals, and it was over. Right. Last year, they were up 3-2 to two going into home ice uh, for Game 6. They had a chance to, as I say, you know, put the dagger uh, into the vampire. They didn't do it. They lost game six, whatever. They need to learn how to get that killer instinct. And I really believe that is a very, very important part of, of this game. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, um, but you need to learn how to put the teams away. Um, and the other thing they need to learn how to do, I mean, they, you know, and if I, I've talked to guys like Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, a lot of the older Leafs uh, alumni um, about this team. And the one thing they say is, you know what? You're not going to get highlight real goals in the playoffs. Okay. Right. Uh, it, it's greasy goals. It's around the crease. You're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked on your, you know what? Okay. Uh, your glutus maximus uh, as it yes. were. And they have to show a grit and desire to go into those areas because if they do, nobody will argue how talented this team is. Um, 
but they have to take it they have to take it that next step and that's that's why um you know i mean if if columbus wins the first game yeah um you know and that well, that by no me i mean the series is a long way from over but sure. the angst and panic that will come over this town um will be unbelievable uh and i'm not sure you know when the leafs are in the bubble uh, how much of that is going to filter into them. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe it's good that they don't have fans in the stands, uh, right. but uh, it will, it, it definitely will resonate. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see if that happens, where, where the series goes from there. Yeah. I just can't wait to see a five game series playoff. Cause you talk about the, 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 the change of emotion, the change of momentum in a seven-game series is something to witness. But in a five, that's, that's going to be that's going to be crazy. And I wonder how how different it's going to feel to guys because that losing that first game feels like losing game three and going down. You know, yeah, two, one. it's it's um, it's dramatic. It gets hot pretty quick in a five-game series. Um, well, and I'll tell you this, and you know how much I uh, I love the city of Columbus, and I. I um, you know, uh, I have a soft spot for uh, the Blue Jackets. Um, one of my best friends' sons uh, plays for the Jackets in Devon Shore, and no matter what you think of him, as a, we'll get to that. But no matter what you think of a player, this this such a stand-up kid. Uh, I've known Brad Shaw, the assistant coach. My God, I went to a. Uh, <laughs> Um, one of my buddies played for the Kitchener Green Shirts uh, way back when, um, when we were teenagers, and uh, I met him at a team gathering so many, many moons ago. And Paul McLean, um, I worked on Coach McLean's column for NHL.com with him uh, before he got hired by the Jackets. So I, I, I there's a lot of things for me, uh, you know, Forget about what happens on the ice and that to like about the city of Columbus and the Blue Jackets, not the least of which your friendship, Porty. Do you like the way I got that one in? But, no, that was really nice. Uh, I figured as much just the way you wrote it out for me before we came on. But um, <laughs> the, other, the, the, the one thing I don't like, okay, I got to listen to that damn cannon in games three and four. They're wheeling it there, that's what they're going to do. <laughs> they're strapping it to the – to the uh, airliner and bringing it up there with them. No, I, the well, that, no, no, that that ain't getting over the border, okay? But they're going to play the sound over the. And you know what? I mean, I, I would like to, and, and I don't mean to get uh, Jackets fans mad because you know what? If, if if that thing is there to intimidate the opposition and the opposition writers, consider it a job well done. Right. But to be in your to be at uh, in Toronto and have to listen to that cannon. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the All Star Game was in Columbus, which, by the way, and I, I just keep I just keep uh, going on and on about how much I like the place, but I really do, including one of the best arenas in the National Hockey League. But yeah. what the, what the heck did that game end up at? Nineteen to eighteen. Oh, I spent like the four. whole game writing down in the bowels of the arena. Uh, in the work area, because I'll be damned if I want to listen to that cannon right. go off 37 times or whatever oh. it did. Um, you know, I, like I mean, that, that, that was Hitch's idea, wasn't it? Well, it depends on who you ask. He was the first. I mean, we actually, we we joked about it for years. Hitch 
is the Civil War buff. I mean, there are other yeah. people who were with the organization way back when who say that they had the idea, and Hitch, Hitch of course, knew. <laughs> Hitch knew exactly <laughs> where you could get an 1857 Napoleon field gun. Yeah, I got a guy. Um, so it it all worked in concert together. But that, that thing, that, that is such a stroke of marketing genius because – It is. So it is because I mean I'm telling you so distinct. It intimidate it, it any guy, you know, hey, look at you know enough players uh around the league, Forty, that yeah. that'll talk to you like off the record. How many times have you talked brought that subject up with somebody from the own uh, on the other team? Yeah. And they they'll start it out by saying that bleeping, bleeping, bleeping cannon. Yes, and then you think, you know what? You know what? It's it's doing its job. Because it's intimidating the other team. Yes, exactly. Now, what do you think the Mounties would do, Dice, if that thing showed up at the border? <laughs> Are there still Mounties? <laughs> <laughs> Can we get this through, sir? That could be tricky. I don't, could be tricky. I don't know. Um, will, will our buddy Tim May be pulling it in a trailer? <laughs> he could. How y'all doing? I'm trying to get this cannon all across the border. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they let Tim May, Tim May and myself, they'd be suspicious of that accent. Hi, you can't talk like that from Columbus, Ohio, sir. Um, let's, <laughs> let's not lose track of Devin Shore here. So the Blue Jackets make a trade at the trade deadline. Sonny Milano out, Devin Shore in. Uh, I don't know what Shore's future is with the Blue Jackets because I, I, with that pay, with that salary, I'm not sure if he gets qualified. But by all accounts, fantastic kid. Uh, and that that's from people within the NHL uh, and the Blue Jackets who know him just a little bit. He was only here a couple weeks before the season was back. Um, but he's in camp. He's going to be with them. I, I won't be surprised if he plays. Zeiss, what's the relationship here? How do you know Devin Shore? And tell us a little bit about the kid. Well, um, Kyle Shore uh, and um, his wife, Andrea Shore, two of my best friends, they grew up in uh, – or, or Kyle did with a bunch of friends in the, in, a, in the town of Pickering, um, uh, which is just uh, it, it just east of Toronto. And in fact, Kyle's dad, um, when they when 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 he was a kid, um, used to get co- um, one of his was the coach of a team, and Kyle played with a, with among other people uh, the irreplaceable Glenn Healy. So Glenn's wow. been a real good Glenn's been a real real good uh, family friend to the Shores, and in fact, uh, when Devin was I think maybe six weeks old, uh, there's a great photo of after the Rangers won the cup in 1994. There's wee Devin um, in the top of the cup uh, at Glenn Healy's cup party. Oh my so, God, yeah. that's awesome. Forty, I'm giving you there. There's 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 a story for you. Go hunt that. I'm writing them all down. Writing them all down. <laughs> but uh, so no, and I um, I I so uh, the the great thing about the shores. So I, I um, Kyle built a, a a rink in the backyard um, when the, the um, Kyle grew up in uh, Pickering, like I said. But the next town over is called Ajax. Is is where they moved, yep. and then he got married. Yada yada yada. But Kyle built a backyard rink with boards, and he he painted in big words "Shore Gardens" on the back. On, on, oh, on that's the, awesome! Yeah, yeah, on the on the rink, and so um, all the kids would go there. And Kyle's rule was, you know, we're not putting pylons on the ice. We're not. This is not for you kids to work out drills or anything. 
this is all about just playing. Just, just, just go play. Perfect. And so I, I watched Devin, you know, when he could hardly, you know, he could barely walk and he was on skates. And it's interesting because uh, one of the other kids that used to play on that rink was Drake Kajulia of the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, so it was kind of like a sheet of dreams, you know. And yeah, no doubt. The thing about Devin was he was never the biggest kid. He had, um, you know, he had a late growth, uh, growth spurt. Yeah. So he never played because he thought that he would make the NHL one day. He always awesome. played because he just loved the game, and that's why, um, you know, you know, the rest is history. He had his growth spurt, um, uh, you know, ended up going to the University of Maine where he, he was the captain for a few years, and then he got drafted by the Dallas Stars, Joe Neuendijk, who uh, – who, uh, who, came from the same area and kind of knew Devin because uh, Devin also played lacrosse um, for people that Joe knew. So, so it's all a small world. So that's, that's how I know Devin. And when Dallas, when Dallas traded him to uh, Anaheim, uh, his first game with the Ducks was in Detroit and we just drove down for the night to, for the night to watch him play. So um, like I said, I mean, this is a, this is a, a blue ribbon kid. Um, and no matter no matter what people think about his game or whatever, um, you couldn't find a better person. And I think that the you know it's good to hear that the uh, Blue Jackets uh, you know value that aspect of them. That's awesome. Uh, Zeiss, are you going to be in the bubble? How's this going to work? Yes. Uh, hoping that I'll be out of the bubble uh, when it all ends. But uh, no, Saturday. Uh, I go into the bubble, um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, packing some clothes, some snacks and who knows, you know, lots of masks, lots of hand sanitizer. Um, you know, I go in it into it. There is some trepidation. I'm not going to lie to you because you just don't know what to expect in this. Um, you know, uh, there is some intrigue uh, from a professional standpoint. Um, but I go into it with no expectations, but I'll tell you this much. Um, I'm sure as heck going to follow uh, all the protocol um, yeah. because I take it very seriously. Uh, I think, the uh, you know, it should be taken very seriously. And... Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I'd like to give you a few uh, snappy lines or quips or that, but I, I have nothing. Um, it's, you know, you're kind of striding into the unknown. Yeah, um, sure. And as much as we all think that we know what it's going to be like, I mean, we don't because, you know, we're we're walking into uncharted territory. Yeah. The players were briefed today uh, about some of the things that are going to be there. Uh, yep. amenities if you will did you get the same briefing yes okay is there a nice uh, is there a high back there or is there a bar with certain characteristics that would make a good man like like vice feel at home listen all i can do is tell you this okay my entire life you know uh other than going being away from school i i'm born and bed bred torontonian and the royal york was kind of always the elite hotel in fact there was a time uh where it was the tallest building in toronto now i don't think it i don't think it's in the top 1000 now but 
right. you know, it's a relatively fancy place. Um, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that the first time I'd be staying in it uh, would be under these circumstances. But right. um, there is going to be an outdoor area. Uh, uh, you know, um, you know, there's a pool and a gym, and they. they um, you're you're also allowed to, and this is what we found out today, Forty, is that uh, you know um, they'll also be like you can have food delivered in as well, um, yep. much like you can at home. So those are open, and there are a couple of watering holes there uh, around too. Um, like I said, gym, pool, uh, and then that is one of the bubbles. And then there's another bubble uh, where the CNE is, where it's called Hotel X. Um, there's only room for five teams there, uh, and for listeners, uh, the CNE is the Canadian National Exhibition. Um, I would equate it to a very, very big fairgrounds almost. Um, except this one is in the downtown Toronto. It's actually where uh, the rink is, where the Toronto Marlies play. Okay. Um, it's also where the stadium is, where uh, Toronto FC plays. Um, that stadium, by the way, is being converted um, to a place where some of the players uh, can go into the stadium, uh, practice kicking around a soccer ball, uh, running up and down the stairs, uh, things of that nature. There's also going to be, um, you know, a lot that 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 area is going to be great for the players. But it only, like I said, the hotel only houses five teams. Yeah. And so what they've done is the four te- the four teams that have, you know, the buys in the first round, if you will, uh, if you will. So um, that would be the Flyers, the Capitals. Uh, the Lightning and the Bruins will be staying there along with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They took the, the, the top five teams in terms of points percentage and put them in there. So there's two different, there's two different uh, bubbles as it were. Um, and they both, they both, they both have their advantages. The one at the Royal York uh, is practically across the street from Scotiabank arena. And so that's where the Leafs and the Jackets will play. There is actually a walkway that the players will be able to take directly from the hotel into the arena. So, uh, nice. you know, in terms of convenience, that'll be good. And you can see all types of fencing going up. I mean, that is the one thing that uh, in the presentation today that, that, yeah. that was stressed over everything else. Safety is number one. And number two, if you uh, go outside the bubble, there will be no appeals heard. There will be no... Um, You're done. You know, yeah, you know, you you go. So it 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 it's being very very strictly uh, handled. And and one last thing, Forty, that uh, I'd, I'd like to throw in here is that the sure. city in the city of Toronto now and the province of Ontario, anybody that is in 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 indoors in a public place has to wear a mask. So. Um, you know uh that when when you see if 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 you see players uh wearing those in the hotel or something like that it's 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 you know they don't really have a choice because that is the law here in Ontario right now and i think that's one of the reasons when the league looked at picking hub hub cities that toronto was chosen yeah just tonight at or last night thursday at 6 p.m. did did ohio pass a law that masks throughout the state must be worn in public places. So we're 
slowly coming around to you there, but I, I think you're going to be okay. I'm, I'll be uh, keeping you and all those the uh, great scribes up there in our thoughts as you go through this and, and look forward to reading uh, your great prose. I want to mention this for Blue Jackets fans. Uh, Columbus Ice Hockey Club founder John Hafferman, one of the great, great members of the hockey community here, is a finalist for the Willie O'Ree Award, one of three finalists. Yes. He has brought the game, get this, Vice Columbus is a big city, but this is a staggering number, to roughly 30,000 underprivileged kids in central Ohio. Uh, and this guy has been, as I said, tireless as an advocate for grassroots hockey and for everyone can play initiatives. For Blue Jackets fans to vote uh, for John Hafferman for this or to read all the bios and vote for the person you feel is most worthy, uh, NHL.com slash O'Ree Award, as in Willie O'Ree. So NHL.com slash O-R-E-E Award. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Danielle Lehman. I want to thank our theme song composer, the great David Cook. And I want to thank Mike Zeisberger for helping us uh, with this show. Zeiss, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. I can't wait to see you again, my friend. Me too, and I just wanted to say, uh, you know, to your to your readers, to your to the people that help put this together, um, and, and to the listeners, to all of you, um, please be safe and healthy because this is a bigger thing than than just hockey. And uh, the other thing is, forty, and I don't say that you're one of my best friends in this business, but the, you know, you, in separating church and state here, um, to all the listeners. This guy is one of the best in our business, um, and this comes uh, genuinely from me. Um, if you're not reading 40, uh, then you're not really keeping up with what's going on in the game or the sport, and uh, you know, I would advise you to do it. Well, that's, that's a great compliment from you, my friend, because you are... Then the again, legendary. if they're listening to us right now, they probably read you, so... <laughs> the legendary <laughs> Zeke. <laughs> Thanks, my man. Thanks so much. Hey. Hope to see you soon. Hope to see you too, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.